Hey everyone, it's me, Michael G. <laughs> Welcome to All Things Billy, the podcast. Appreciate you being here with me today on a uh, stormy evening in Albuquerque. If you hear any thunder in the background, that's real. No sound effects or anything. It's actually raining here, and I don't think it's rained since Billy the Kid passed through town. Um, that's how long it seems like it's been. So today we've got a little bit of a piecemeal show. Uh, today is day number 1,865,000 of COVID, or at least that's what it feels like, because I feel fine and have for the last four days, but I tested last night for COVID and it's still positive, son of a bitch. And uh, I'm not looking to go out and get anybody else sick. So uh, still been isolating. I realize you can test positive for months afterward and I've you know, got to have have to get out and live life at some point, but yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Anyway, uh, first things first, the uh, Billy the Kid world has uh, lost a legend, if you have not heard, and that is uh, Frederick Nolan, uh, writer, researcher, historian, um, author, I guess writer and author would be much the same, uh, you know, TV personality, has passed uh, at the age of 91, and it looks like it was yesterday, June 16th. Now, I can't tell you I know a lot about Frederick Nolan. I know his name. I've seen his picture a number of times. Um, but uh, I've looked up what little information I could find, and uh, I'd like to share that with you because anyone who is interested in the story of Billy the Kid, or let's take that back, not the story, the truth about Billy the Kid, owes a tremendous debt of gratitude to Mr. Nolan. So Frederick William Nolan, born March 7th, 1931 in Liverpool, England. Um, so I did the math as soon as I saw Liverpool and I said, okay, 31 Beatles, you know, started to hit, you know, 60, 61, not here, but um, over in England, that's when they were really getting going. So uh, Frederick would have been 30 years old in Liverpool. The Beatles would have been eh, 18, 17, 19, somewhere around there. It, is there any chance he went to the pub and saw them? Um, I don't know. But uh, but I hope he did. Even if he wasn't a fan, I hope he was able to tell the story later in life of, uh, yeah, I saw those uh, those four, <laughs> four young chaps before they were anything. Um. English editor, writer, mostly known as Frederick Nolan, his real name, but also used a number of pen names, which surprised me. Uh, Donald Severn, Daniel Rockfern, Christine McGuire, and Frederick H. Christian. Um, so uh, pen names, I never even thought of having a female pen name. Um, but I guess you could if you're you know, writing for an audience that might be more receptive to a female author. Uh, Nolan was educated in Liverpool and Aberaeron in Wales. Aberaeron, I think I did say that right, pretty sure. Um, a, uh, a town, small community uh, between Aberystwyth and Cardigan in Cerdinian, Wales. <laughs> yeah, I probably butchered all that, but uh, that's where he's from. Um, at age 21, uh, Frederick began doing the research that would lead him to become one of the leading leading uh, English authorities of the American West, but really one of the, the leading worldwide authorities on the American West. And if you think it was just Billy the Kid, um, that's not true. 
because uh, he was uh, an expert in many areas of the West and also quite a novelist, as a matter of fact. So um, Frederick not only researched and spent a lifetime chasing the truth about the kid in the Lincoln County War um, and other uh, you know, related events, but he wrote uh, some intriguing novels as well. I have his book uh, list in front of me. And this is a selected bibliography, so that means there's more. But if I were to look through this, if I were to count it, which I'm, it's at least 50 books. Um, and there's, as I said, there's more that he's written, but these are probably the most uh, well-known, uh, the most well-known ones. So as Christine McGuire uh, have you ever read these books from 93, 95, 97, Until Proven Guilty, Until Justice is Done, Until Death Do Us Part? So a series with some main character. But most, uh, uh, for Billy the Kid folks, Frederick Nolan was most uh, well known for his nonfiction books. And uh, those include a number of these. The Life and Death of John Henry Tunstall in 2009. I have not read that. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, The Sound of Their Music, 2002. I definitely have not read that one. The Lincoln County War, a Documentary History, 2009. Uh, that's the one I think I have written. Uh, or written. <laughs> no, I did not write it. Uh, I think I have read, but I'm not 100%. And as I've said before, all of my Billy the Kid books, the dozens I had are all gone got rid of them all. I've, uh, I've freed myself from that chain to, you know, to carry around for me from place to place where I go. Um, but, um, not that there's anything wrong with you, all of you that have them, but it's just not stuff is not for me. I, I'm trying to get rid of stuff. Uh, bad blood, the life and times of the Harrell brothers. And they were some Lincoln County bad men portraits of the old West, the West of Billy, the kid, 1998, and that's really the one uh, that uh, established Nolan as a, uh, uh, you know, an expert in the, the field of Billy the Kid. Uh, the Wild West, History, Myth, and the Making of America. Tascosa, It's Life in Gaudy Times, just up there near Amarillo, Texas. Oh, in, this just in, by the way, Tascosa, which has been, you know, gone as a real town or destination for a number of years. Um, uh, the the road construction in uh, I on I-40 in Amarillo started in Tascosa back in 1875 and has been going nonstop for the last 147 years. <laughs> it's never going to end. If you ever drive through Amarillo, just expect there'll be road construction. And I drive through there every single month and it will never, ever be finished. There is no reason it can't be done. Amarillo is a is a big flat dot on the map. There's nothing on either side of it. The you know the roads are huge and wide open. They could fit a million people working along the roads and all sorts of construction equipment. It's not like you know there's huge traffic jams to watch out for. And they can't finish. They they finish one part, move on to another, and then come back and fix the one they they just finished a couple months before. So uh, I wonder if Billy ever ran into a traffic jam on his way to Tascosa. Uh, the uh, Billy the Kid Reader, I served as editor in 2007. And uh, Deep Trails in the Old West. Um, he had uh, 
18 books on, in the Lucky Luke series translated from French. So I, I'm assuming from this that Frederick Nolan wrote uh, Parlez-vous Francais. He understood and spoke French and wrote 18 books, the Lucky Luke series. And here's three of the titles, Lucky Luke, Jesse James, Lucky Luke, the stagecoach, Lucky Luke, the dashing white cowboy, and 15 other titles in the series. So um, cool stuff. I mean, this, this is a, this is a writer, not some silly twit like me, you know, pushing out these little pamphlets. I mean, this guy really wrote some books. I mean, he spent a lifetime doing this from the age of 21 to 91. It's a 70 year career. So um, Frederick Nolan has left us, but he's left us richer for the, uh, for the experience, uh, for all the research, for the friendships and camaraderie that he forged here. I talked to a couple people, uh, you know, connected with the world of Billy the Kid today, uh, and, and both had had significant interactions with Frederick Nolan over the years and just had nothing but good things to say about him as you scan the, uh, the Billy the Kid message boards and social media groups, uh, you'll find people posting photographs and everybody saying the same, the saying the same thing, very kind, very generous man. Um, you know, really just a, just a great person. And so, uh, he, uh, 91 years, excellent run, Mr. Nolan. Thank you so much for all of your contributions to the passion that many of us have and Godspeed on your next journey an adventure, Frederick Nolan, no more, Robert Utley, no more. Um, there's, uh, you know, who's, who's the new crop? Well, they're out there. Um, certainly not me, <laughs> but there's a new crop out there searching, digging, researching, scratching, clawing, fighting for anything they can find to move forward. The, uh, what we know about one William H. Bonney. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, release of the film started. The reviews have started coming in, which are really fun. And uh, we've got some other stuff to discuss. So we'll be right back after these words. We're back. You're back. Everybody's back. Everybody's front. Everybody's side. <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, coming back with me. Uh, so uh, been the uh, final trial of Billy the Kid has now been released for an entire two days. <laughs> I got a number of uh, uh, reviews back, feedback from people. Uh, I haven't got the horrible ones yet. I know those are coming, but, uh, you know, as the, as the film tends to, you know, spread out and grow in popularity, more people get to watch it, uh, those will come. But uh, most everything has been uh, really positive and encouraging, and I'll read you a few of those. Uh, but, but I... <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have to read you a, a comment I got on the Doc Skurlock episode. Not the Scott Skurlock, but the Doc Skurlock episode. And uh some you know, some people they'll always feel that their opinion needs to be heard. So it says, It's a real shame you don't just stick to the history, but feel a need to interject so much goofy babbling and, and nonsense. <laughs> oh my god, I guess like this. <laughs> uh so Yes, that's what the show is. It is goofy babbling and nonsense with a little bit of history sprinkled in from the mind of a guy who, you know, who's uh, uh, 
uh, maturity stopped at about 12 years old. So if you don't, if you don't like that, this is probably not the show for you. But here's the thing. If you get 10 minutes into an episode and you're going, oh, maybe he'll turn serious at some point, it's not going to happen. So if if you're five minutes, 10 minutes in, you go, oh, this goofball is a pain in my ass, just change to something else. It's not going to get any better. I promise you, it's just, it's just not going to get better. But the, the, the thing that really caught my eye is <laughs> the, <laughs> the person who made this comment is J.B. Hickok. And the picture is Wild Bill Hickok. It is James Butler Hickok, who apparently has come back from the dead in order to rate my podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw it and I thought, could you imagine <laughs> Wild Bill Hickok rises from the grave? And by the way, if you want to see that happen, just scroll back on this channel uh, on uh on the YouTube channel, and we did an episode, the very first one day only episode is uh, me bringing back Wild Bill Hickok to talk to him. But in any event, um, he, he he comes back from the grave and, you know, he's got all this great historical information and he's this salty guy and everything. And the first thing he wants to do when he gets back here is he wants to, he wants to <laughs> tell me what's wrong with my podcast. <laughs> Oh my God. I could not stop laughing. I guess because I'm because uh, I'm a goofy, babbling, nonsensical <laughs> fool. <laughs> so uh Mr. Hickok, sir, please, please go somewhere else. Go to one of those podcasts where they just read the book to you. Just read the facts right off the page. And uh hopefully they put you to sleep while you do that. And uh that's that's what you enjoy. This is just not the this is not the place for it. All right, so let's talk about some uh, movie reviews. Uh, we got a number of them in. I'll, I'll give you a short summary. They're not long, so I'm not going to uh, hold you hostage here. Just reading things that Wild Bill Hickok would be upset about. Um, uh, and some of these have some hyperbole that, you know, I, I thought, wow, that's a little much. But here we go. Uh, I watched the movie the other night. Enjoyed it very much. I wonder how many gavels the judge went through. Two is the answer. Uh, brushy actor was fantastic, which is a refrain we've heard a number of times. That's Thomas Fears. And the lawyer for Brushy is none other than Martin Teebs, the actor who played him anyway. Pat's lawyer was very animated and Pat looked familiar too. Anyway, good job to all involved. Almost forgot about the bailiff. Should have been guarding Billy the Kid and Lincoln. Dude was quick to react and ready to scrap. LOL. That's uh that's a great uh movie review. Bailiff was Philip Arayin and uh I sent this review to Phil. Uh, I texted it to him and uh he's you know he's been involved in theater and acting you know to a small degree for much of his life but I think this is his first film role and he was just tickled to see that. So uh here's another one. Uh this uh, this one a, a little more serious. Michael, I watched your movie last night. The final trial of Billy the Kid was astounding. Felt like I was in the courtroom observing the trial. The acting was very authentic. Loved it. I think the conclusion was the only viable one. Do you believe that the judges... Oh, I'm sorry. I do believe that the judges' last comments would stand true today. Hats off to you, Karen. Well, Karen, thank you very much for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, nothing more needs to be said. I'm not going to give you any spoilers here as to the verdict or, you know, what uh, what any of the twists were. 
at the end of the film. You'll have to watch it for that. Um, here's a uh, here's another one where uh, where Royd McCargish, executive producer and actor, was recognized from an earlier project. I enjoyed the final trial of Billy the Kid, but I won't be using the Teeves law firm for any of my legal issues, LOL. I love that you got that dude in there, Royd McCargish. He was good as Martin Teeves in Back to Billy. And that was the uh, Back to Billy pilot we did, uh, which is on the YouTube channel for you can watch that. Did that uh, about four years ago. So um, thank you for that. Here, a couple more and then we'll let you go. Um, this one is, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish all this were true. <laughs> uh, hey, Michael, we just literally got done watching the movie. The filming and editing was outstanding. Brushy Bill is outstanding. In my past, my horns were bigger than my halo. But when I received that opportunity to turn my life around, I jumped to make amends by joining the Guardian Angels. So I could see how the kid would go out of his way to start doing good. Speaking of good, the last time I saw a courtroom drama, this good was 12 Angry Men. You should be very proud because it would have blown out Maverick in the theaters. Thanks, Michael. Holy cow. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very thrilled and humbled. Uh, I don't think we would have put a big dent in <laughs> Top Gun Maverick in the theaters. Uh, I think there's been a number of really, really great courtroom dramas, including 12 Angry Men. But thank you for, you know, for the kind words. Um, I'm proud of the film. I'm going to be bringing you a bunch of behind the scenes, um, you know, how the film came to be, what the, uh, you know, what was, what it was supposed to be before it, you know, became the film that you can see today. And, uh, and some other evidence that we just couldn't put in there, just didn't, you know, didn't have enough room to. So uh, here's uh, one more. I think I may have read this one. I found this to be a brilliant film, well-researched and with some evidence I'd never heard nor seen before. While watching, found myself feeling like I was right there in the courtroom. Fantastic acting from the entire cast, especially Thomas Fears' dear old brushy Bill. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this, the, uh, the reception uh, has been great. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think there might, uh, might be a couple more here. Let me see real quick. If I've got any others for you, do, 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 do. I've got a bunch in Spanish that I can't read, but I don't think that those are, uh, uh, I don't think those are going to, I'm going to be able to read those. Here's one. Oh, this one's from Brad. I really enjoyed it. It was informative and entertaining. I guess the verdict shows, well, I can't read you that part. Um, and so we're just going to leave it at that. But thanks, Brad, for uh, for that review. Yeah, no uh, no uh, spoilers for you. So the final trial of Billy the Kid streaming now on Amazon. I don't know. It's supposed to be worldwide, but it takes a while to get out there. But for certain Australia, the UK, uh, Canada. But I don't know that it's live in any of those. Uh, my friend Darky Hall from uh, Australia says, nope, I searched all over Amazon, couldn't find it. Mel Hubner from the UK says, nope, I searched all over Amazon, couldn't find it. And uh, don't have any Canadian friends. <laughs> I have a few, but I haven't heard from them. So if you're in Canada, the uh, great white neighbor to the north, the neighbor to the great white north, I don't know, whatever I'm trying to say, uh, let me know if you would take a search through Amazon and see if you can see it. But it'll be there eventually, hopefully. So there you go. Final trial of Billy the Kid. Watch it. Uh, let me know what you think, good or bad. 
And uh, let me know what you think of the verdict. And please, by all means, no matter what, go on uh, Amazon and give it a, a rating and a review. That would be hugely helpful to help the film uh, spread some more. So there we go. That's that. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk a little about Jose Chavez E. Chavez and uh, his eternal resting place now memorialized for eternity. We'll be right back. Welcome back to All Things Billy, where we talk about all things Billy the Kid. Hey, you can get your commentary into the show in a couple or a few ways. You can email the show, billythekidridesagain at gmail.com, anytime you like, 24 hours a day. <laughs> uh, you can visit us on Twitter, at BTKRides, or if you follow, see, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> if you follow the show on YouTube where it gets uploaded, uh, you can just comment right there, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see it there as well. So uh, you, uh, the regulator series seems to have uh, been um, appreciated. So we'll talk a little bit about Jose Chavez y Chavez, uh, made uh, infamous or famous <clears throat> by Lou Diamond Phillips and his portrayal in the Young Guns films. Uh, Chavez didn't look a whole lot like Lou Diamond Phillips with the long flowing hair and those kind of things, but hey, it's a, it's a film. Get over it. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go through this one a little more quickly. But uh, Jose Kobe Fry Chavez Chavez, born 1851, so at the time of the Lincoln County War, that makes him uh, 27 years old. So he's one of the elder statesmen of the Tunstall McSween faction. I remember somebody sent me years ago a photograph. This guy sent me a photo that he said, oh, I've been doing this research. I, I uh, essentially said he had committed to finding an unknown picture of Billy the Kid. And then uh, I guess two weeks later on eBay, he found one. And so he had this picture of Billy the Kid that he said, and then there was a younger boy sitting next to him that he said was Chavez. And so this was Billy later on in life. He'd grown this nice thick mustache. And, uh, and I said, yeah, but, but Chavez was 10 years older than Billy. And, uh, that's when the, you know, the conversation started to spiral out of control. Um, and I was, you know, I was being honest, I, the photo didn't look anything like Billy, the kid to me, but, uh, you know, how do you, how does a guy de-age that he pulls a Benjamin button and he was 10 years older and now he makes a 20 year swing to be younger. Um, you know, the, if you look at a lot of these photographs and just look at the evidence or whoever else is supposed to be there, you can pretty quickly go, okay, well, this is not, clearly this is not that person or this photo is not legit, but there are some legitimate ones out there. Anyway, uh, so Chavez is born in Cebolleta, Cebolleta, New Mexico. I don't know where that is. It probably doesn't exist anymore, but let's take a look since we're here. Uh, Cebolleta. Uh, no. Nope. Nope. Doesn't exist in New Mexico anymore. I'm sure there's uh, some. Let's see if anything comes up. Nope. Nothing at all. So I'm, I'm sure there's some plaque or remembrance or something or, you know, some nails and wood in the ground, but uh, it's gone. Um, so anyway, uh, he worked uh, as a younger man laborer and uh, 
<laughs> it says here that he discovered honest labor was difficult. Yeah. Uh, so he drifted into a petty theft and cattle rustling. Uh, Chavez joined the regulators, as you know, uh, as one of the core uh, regulators in uh, the uh, Tunstall side of the equation and fought alongside the regulators in most every battle uh, in the Lincoln County War. It does say here that he claimed to be the person that killed Sheriff Brady. Um, and of course, that's the crime that Billy was convicted of uh, com committing and was sentenced to hang for. That doesn't mean Billy was innocent, right? He's there. You know, you're you're an accessory to murder. You get the same punishment as anybody else. Um, but why wasn't Chavez indicted in that crime? When did he say it? Later, after he'd been exonerated or pleaded the governor's amnesty? I'm not really sure. But uh, in any event, Chavez, uh, Chavez says, at least claimed to be the one that uh, shot and killed Sheriff William Brady, who don't know whether it happened or not. Uh, so uh, March of 79, Wallace is trying to get hold of the violence there. He forms the uh, Lincoln County Mounted Rifles and Chavez becomes a member, a private in the Lincoln County Rifles. But uh, that doesn't really go anywhere and it falls apart after a couple of months. And uh, Chavez uh, stays somewhere in and around New Mexico while uh, Billy goes off to live his life and uh, eventually is killed or not. Watch the film. We'll see what happens. And uh, Chavez, you know, cannot escape the life of crime. And so the story is long and I won't go into it, but it, eventually uh, Chavez uh, became a deputy sheriff. Uh, he, you know, was uh, tempted by the outlaw life and became friends with uh, Vicente Silva and the, uh, the white caps, uh, Las Curas Blancas. And if you read into that story, there's a lot of detail there about Vicente Silva. And uh, I think he was a little bit of a madman, or maybe a lot of a madman. Uh, and there was a, a killing of uh, Patricio Maez and, uh, in 1892. And so it's ordered by Vicente Silva, and then he starts to get nervous that some people that know are going to talk. So now he has them killed and, uh, and Chavez is ordered to kill uh, Silva's wife, right? Silva's worried that his wife will, will tell on him. And so Chavez and two other guys are ordered to kill his wife. Well, the two other guys in Chavez go, okay, I guess we'll do it. But we think this guy's nuts we're going to kill him too. Like we need to be done with all of this. And so he does. They, you know, when, uh, when uh, Silva brings his wife to the spot where they've got this grave dug, the, uh, the, the guys kill uh, both of them and bury him in the same grave. So anyway, uh, he is found out. Uh, Chavez is sentenced uh, to death by hanging in 1894. And, uh, Chavez gets a retrial after that. And the retrial, yet again, says you're guilty and you get the death sentence. Uh, Chavez intervenes in a prison riot that saves the life of uh, a couple of prison guards. And so Governor Miguel Otero, because of that, commutes his uh, sentence to life in prison instead. And uh, he uh, winds up going to prison November 23, 1897, 
Territorial Penitentiary. Inmate 1089, if anybody's looking for the pick four numbers, try those. And he remains there until the age of 57. Governor George Curry in 1909 pardons Chavez, serving 11 years because of that uh, that uh, assistance uh, that he gave during a prison riot and really did save the life of uh, of some guards. Uh, so Chavez goes to Las Vegas, New Mexico, and he spends the rest of his years, 15 years or so, leading a pretty quiet life. Um, he uh, dies in uh, Milagro, New Mexico, which is just uh, off I-40 to the west side of Santa Rosa uh, in 1924 at the age of 72 in his bed with his friend Liberato Baca, holding his hand, as I remember. And uh, Chavez leaves this life behind, a lawman, a regulator, a fighter, a, a murderer, a, you know, kind of an everything. I don't know that you'd call that a renaissance man. Uh, and that would have been it for the story of Chavez y Chavez, but for uh, Josh Slatten of the Billy the Kid's Historical Coalition, who tracked the grave down to a, a, I guess you'd call it an abandoned cemetery. It's on private property um, in Milagro. And, um, and the grave was unmarked. It had been marked. Uh, the, the cemetery has a fence around it and there are a number of gravestones. A number of the uh, deceased in that cemetery are children who died during the, uh, the uh, Spanish flu pandemic, 1918. Do I remember that right? And so it's a kind of a poignant reminder of how badly things were. Uh, but Chavez had a tombstone until the early 1980s and someone took it away and they brought it closer to a, to a church. So I guess that people could see it. Josh was able to find this photograph taken in the early 80s of the gentleman who removed, I can't remember his name, but the gentleman that removed the tombstone, I think it was some family member. And just from its total happenstance that the camera was angled directly to the north, the uh, the gentleman was standing be, you know, behind uh, the tombstone, as I remember it, and you could see the pickets on the fence and the hill in the background. If the camera had been angled, if that gentleman had been standing in front of the picket of the fence, you wouldn't be able to to uh, nail that location down. But And I remember him bringing his phone out there. He had the picture and holding it up. And it was like one of those things where you just put the old picture in front of the new one. And Rabel, we were able literally to find the exact spot where the grave was, which was unmarked. And it was, again, just total happenstance that whoever snapped that picture snapped it in such a way that there were enough landmarks that you could get right to the spot. And so the uh, coalition raised some money, took donations, and uh, in part of their project of marking the graves of these forgotten uh, uh, people, you know, participants in the Lincoln County War, um, had a uh, stone made by Serenity Stone, Adam Edwards, who I happen to know because he's a buddy of mine in uh, Los Lunas, and I got to pick it up, picked it up one night uh, on a Friday night, and then Saturday morning, we all trekked our way out to Milagro. This was last year in the summertime, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's it's out there. Uh, you almost, in fact, you might be able to in some way see the freeway from the uh, from the cemetery. If you can, it's a little far off, 
uh, but you cannot see the cemetery from the freeway. There's rolling hills that block it. It's nothing. It's just, you know, kind of rolling plains and you would never be able to see it or know it was there. Getting there was interesting as well. It was, uh, I'm going to guess, three miles off of any sort of paved road. Um, they work our way back there through all sorts of dips and ruts and um, gopher holes and all that kind of thing. Um, but uh, we were able to uh, set the stone and uh, and pay a little tribute. And that's all I'll say, pay a little tribute to Chavez. And, uh, and now that grave is marked for eternity. It is not public property. You cannot go back there. Do not go back there. Well, two, a couple of reasons don't go back there. First of all, don't go back there because it's not your property and I don't want you to get shot. And second of all, don't go back there because if you do and you can't get out and your truck falls into a, you know, a gopher hole or, or you get bit by a rattler or, you know, whatever happens, uh, you're pretty far, you know, it's, there's no easy help. And uh, so I would stay away. But if you go on Facebook and or on the web, look for Billy the Kid's Historical Coalition. You can find them on Facebook, and you can see there's you know kind of a photo story of the uh, uh, of the gravestone, and uh, they've got some other uh, graves that they're planning to mark this year as well. So there you go, Chavez y Chavez. Um, don't know why exactly in the Young Gun series, why you picked Lou Diamond Phillips. He's a great actor, probably why. Don't know why you outfit him as the, uh, uh, as the, uh, uh, the uh, Mexican. I'm trying to think of what the, what the Indian tribe was, you know, and have him only throw knives and not carry a gun. You know, just, just a cool character. Not really indicative of the real Chavez, but uh, certainly was, uh, was effective. When we... Uh, when we marked the grave, I took a picture and I uh, posted it or uh, tweeted it maybe to uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and said, "Hey, we we found we found your spot, man," and uh, and he did give it a, a a like or a thumbs up or whatever the hell you do on Twitter. I'm not sure. So uh, so there you go, and he'll be back as best we can tell. If you're going to go by the history, he'll be back in Guns Three, even though he died at the end of Guns Two. We all saw the spirit horse come and take him. Now, if the spirit horse maybe was running, I don't know, the Belmont Stakes and he never stopped to pick up Chavez and he went on to win the race and have a, you know, a, a cold drink and a what and a shower, then maybe Chavez popped back to life. But they've got to keep him alive some way because uh, it's been uh, it's been said that he'll be back for the uh, for the Guns 3 film. That'll be the Brushy Bill story. So uh, there you go. Chavez. Oh, here's uh, something interesting. I just noticed on Wikipedia, uh, Chavez find a grave. Let's see where they have the grave, if they have it in the right spot. Milagro Cemetery, Milagro Guadalupe. Uh, hmm, it's interesting. I don't know what they, the tombstone that they show is not his, uh, is not the tombstone that is uh, currently there. This is the one that somebody took away. And I'm trying to look at the fence. It's not a hog wire fence and it's metal. I'm gonna say that this is probably not the actual grave site. This is where the stone has been relocated to, um, to make it more accessible for people. So I think that wherever they have the grave is not the actual grave site, but go see it there. I mean, if you wanna, you want to pay your respects. I don't think Chavez cares where, 
where you are or uh, how close you are or any of those things. So, well, that should do it for this short Friday night COVID edition of All Things Billy. I do hope you have a great weekend and I hope you make it even greater by going and watching the final trial of Billy the Kid. Hey, and by the way, my other new feature also just released 30 Seconds in Hell, a supernatural telling of the gunfight at the OK Corral or retelling, I guess, of the gunfight at the OK Corral. And uh, both of those are on Amazon Prime. So you can just search under my name or, uh, you know, find one and click my name and then find the other one. Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty reasonable to rent or buy. And I would love to hear more about it. So thank you all for that. Uh, More good stuff coming on All Things Billy, where we talk about all things William H. Bonney, Ken Antrim, Billy the Kid. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye. (laughs) 